Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. It's going to be good today. So it really is great to be here with you guys. And uh, it's also great to uh, know that Carl, you know, is in Delta today and taking care of that church down there. And uh, man, I just, I have to tell you guys, uh, you guys have the very best pastor that you could possibly have uh, over this church here. I I mean that. I, I have never met a senior pastor who is more authentic and genuine and true to himself and not caught up in the hype or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, he is just the most authentic man I think I've ever met, and I love that about him. And he has made me a better man in so many ways just uh, being under his leadership. And so make sure you guys tell him how much you appreciate him next time you see him, all right? All right, so as we jump in today, I want to ask you guys to go back with me. Maybe for some of you, this might be just a short trip back in your memory. Some of you guys, it may be a little longer, but uh, back to when you were maybe a kid on the playground at school, right? And uh, some other little kid runs up to you and they say something mean, like they call you some mean name, like a cotton-headed ninny muggins, Right? And what do you do in that moment? You know, if you were savvy, if you kind of, or, you know, if you, if you weren't really kind of on your game, you know, and that happened, you'd just look at him and be like, nuh-uh. But if you knew your stuff and if you were kind of prepared and, and, and things like that, when they said something like that to you, you might respond with something witty such as, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Anybody ever use that comeback when you were a kid on the playground? Yeah, it's great ammunition for our children to, the only problem is it's not true. The more I thought about that, the more I thought, man, we've been lying to our kids for a long time, telling them that that's a good idea, right? It's just not true. Like, words hurt. It's an absolute reality that words can do so much damage. In fact, there are times I would prefer the sticks and the stones. Like, come at me and try to hit me with a stick. I can handle that. But the words, keep those to yourself. And see, we're in this series here uh, called My Big Mouth. And we're talking about the impact that our words and what comes out of our mouths can have on the lives of other people around us. And I just wonder by a show of hands this morning, how many of us have been wounded by the words of another? If that's you, would you just lift your hand up and say, that's me? Yeah, I kind of had a feeling. Maybe it was a parent Maybe it was a relative, you know, just spoke those things over you that you're still trying to uh, outrun or outlive or whatever. Maybe it was a a former boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse or, or a relationship you were in, something like that. Maybe it was a friend or a coworker or a boss or even your own children sometimes can say things to us that just cut us so deeply to the heart. And so many times those words, they wound us and they hurt us and we're still trying to outrun them or live up to them uh, throughout our whole lives. But we also have to remember that I would guess the same percentage of us that raised our hand just a moment ago have our own trail of devastation and destruction that our words have caused in the lives of someone else. Maybe it's never intentional. You know, I, I tell my wife, if, there's, if I say something and there's two ways you could interpret it and one of them hurts your feelings, I definitely meant it the other way, right? 
That's, a little, that's free. You can take that home and use it if you want, okay? But so often, unintentionally, we wound people with our words, and we, sometimes we mean it, sometimes we don't even mean to. I'll give you an example. Uh, I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and uh, the church I served at over in Alamosa, I remember there was these two sisters who came to youth group all the time together, and, uh, and all of a sudden, the younger sister stopped coming, and, and it had been a couple months, and, and I hadn't seen her, you know, and asked the older sister, you know, where she's at, and, and, uh, and finally she came back to youth group on a Wednesday night, one night, and me just being the jokester and the, you know, kind of wanting to be the funny guy that I am, you know, uh, as she's coming into the youth building, I stuck out my hand, and I said, hi, I'm Brian, what's your name? She didn't receive that too well. She didn't come back to the youth group after that week. And I asked her sister, I'm like, hey, where, where, what happened? Where did she go? It's like, she was so hurt that you didn't remember her name, that she's not coming back. That young lady was killed in a car accident about a year later. And I remember sitting in that funeral, feeling about this big, thinking, me and my big mouth, Lord, help me. Because I don't want to inflict that kind of damage on people in this life. I don't want to be that person that ends up unintentionally or intentionally wounding someone. I want my words to speak life. And you know, David, he prayed this prayer in Psalms 141.3, and I think it's such a powerful uh, reminder for us. He said, he, he says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. I think so often we need to be reminded that we need something to help us to watch the words that we say. And, and you're in luck here today, actually, because I've got something that can help. <clears throat> you know what they say, silence is golden and duct tape is silver, right? Or black in this case, but that's what we had. Some of us need this. As a matter of fact, I want to bless somebody this morning. I want to bless your marriage, uh, your relationship with your children, uh, with your boss, whatever it is. I, I want to bless you this morning. And so I know you won't raise your hand because you're humble, but will somebody sitting next to you nominate you for some help this morning that I could come and just bless your life? Nobody? Okay. Oh, 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 hands going up all over the place. All right, amen. Amen. I knew there would be a few brave souls out there who are willing to endure what comes next, all right? And so as I was thinking about this message, as I was thinking about this, wrapping up this series here at Grace called My Big Mouth, and there's this thought that hit me, a couple of scriptures that kind of came at my mind from opposite directions and kind of helped me to see uh, this, this thought that I want us to really kind of work through today. So I want us to ask ourselves a question, and then I want to dive into these two scriptures and see where, where I got the, this idea from. But uh, the question I want us to ask ourselves today is, is, is this, is do I have a tongue of fire or a tongue on fire? Do I have a tongue of fire or do I have a tongue that is on fire? So let's dive into some scripture here and I'll show you what I mean, okay? If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Acts chapter two and we're gonna start in verse one. And Acts chapter two, one says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is talking about the disciples of Jesus shortly after his uh, resurrection and ascension back to heaven, Right? And so suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, depending on your church background, I just freaked some of you out. And I recognize that. But I want us to kind of just pull back a little bit from maybe what we've heard or seen. And I want us to think about really what is happening in this moment in history. Because this is a very profound moment in the life of the church. From this scripture that I just stopped at, uh, if you read down through verse 11, there is this listing of people who are there hearing these words. The the city of Jerusalem would be very crowded during this time with people from all over the place. And if you kind of research out with all the names that are listed, there's like 16 unique geographic regions that that are specified in the next few verses. All of them with their own distinct languages, some of them with multiple languages and dialects and, and, and tongues that would have been spoken in those regions. So imagine, if you will, there is literally dozens of languages that are being spoken by all these people from all these different places who are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. This is a, a very diverse group. Does anybody here speak more than one language? You speak, you know, bilingual, maybe Spanish or English, and anybody speak French or Portuguese or any of those? No, most of us don't, right? We know one language. And yet here's this moment, and these tongues of fire appear, and these disciples of Jesus begin to speak in these languages. And what's so cool about this is what happens. This is what I think sometimes we we forget when we read this passage of scripture. It says in verse 11, this is kind of catching the tail end of of all the places and people they're talking about. It says both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, but this is the important part. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. See, when these tongues of fire appeared, when these tongues of fire landed on these early disciples, And they begin to speak in these languages that they don't even know. And the people who are gathered there begin to hear the wonderful works of God in a language that they can fully understand. When these men opened their mouths and began to speak, what was being heard was glorifying God. All of a sudden, these people are sitting there and they're going, we are hearing the wonderful works of God in our own language in a way that we can understand, in a way that it makes sense to us, maybe some of them for the first time ever. And see, I think the power that we see God unleash in this moment is he is saying, look, we can use our mouths, we can have a tongue of fire. I think he was setting a precedent that if we're going to be representatives and ambassadors of Christ, what comes out of our mouth should be declaring the wonderful works of God. When these people spoke, what they were hearing is how good God is and how faithful God is and how loving and merciful and kind and just God is. And they were hearing it and it was making sense. So do you have a tongue of fire? If you have your Bible, flip to the book of James chapter three and I wanna look at the opposite side of this now. James chapter three, verse six says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. See, James recognizes there is incredible power in our words. There's incredible power in our ability to speak. And sometimes we use that power for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we use that power and we literally are burning down our own lives simply by the words that we speak. Has anybody ever uh, done that? You've said something and immediately after you said it, you wish you could take it back? If you're a husband, you've done this, right? Probably did it today. Yeah, I get it. See, we use our words and all of a sudden they're burning down what God is trying to build up because we have a tongue on fire, a tongue that has been getting its fuel from the wrong source. It says it's set on fire by hell itself. That there is this, the, this source that it comes from that's not good. And maybe we've set it and burned our own lives down. I wonder how often we've done the same thing to somebody else too. Where we've used our words We've used them as a weapon to tear down and destroy somebody else's life. Uh, we used our words like a flamethrower to, to kind of come at somebody else. And James talks about this. As a matter of fact, he, 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 he takes this head on uh, in the very next verse, in verse seven. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. James is recognizing here, look, man, we can teach a dolphin to do a backflip. All right, we can teach a monkey to open a Pepsi can. We can do all kinds of things. Go on YouTube, you'll see it, right? But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? I mean, James makes a great point here. He says, can fresh water and salt water come from the same source? Should what's coming out of our mouths contain both praising and cursing? He's saying these things don't belong together. You can't walk up to the faucet and pour a glass of fresh water and then the next moment get a glass of muddy, murky water like it came out of a river. It shouldn't be that way. He's saying there's things that shouldn't go together. And I have a few pictures of some things that shouldn't go together that I wanted to show you guys. Uh, like this store that sells weapons and puppies. If you are even interested in shopping here, you need to stop by the information table. There's a psyche valve out there that you can take on your way home. All right, uh, the next one I think is pretty good too. Liquor and fireworks. And like the sign says, what could go wrong? being sold to you by a guy with one hand and an eye patch, right? Like it's gonna happen. Uh, this last one I think is pretty good too. Uh, chocolate scented laundry soap. Why would you do that to yourself? Like sitting there all day at work, like I need a Snickers, man. This is good stuff, right? They don't go together. There shouldn't be in the same source. And that's what James is saying. Is he's saying some things, these, they, they, they don't go together. They shouldn't be coming out of our mouth. And the thing is, I wonder how often we forget that what comes out of our mouths, the the words that we speak have the power of life and death in them. How often do we haphazardly and carelessly speak things that are hurtful and damaging and destructive to the lives of those, even ourselves and those around us? And so as we wrap up this series on my big mouth, 
And I'm asking you this question, do you have a tongue of fire or a tongue on fire? And I would guess that most of us would probably say we're some combination of both of those things. And so really the question we need to ask ourselves is how do we start transitioning from uh, just burning things down with our words to speaking the words that people hear the wonderful works of God when we open our mouth? How do we begin that process of moving in that direction? And so I have a couple of thoughts that I wanna share with us as we uh, spend our time together this morning, a few things that maybe we can just think about uh, this idea. So the first one is this, this idea that input creates output. What we are putting into our lives ultimately is going to fill us up to the place where that's what comes out of our lives. Jesus said it himself. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we're filling ourselves up with is what comes out of our mouth eventually. I, I tell my kids that all the time. What, what you're filling yourself up with is, is what you're speaking. It's what is gonna come out of your mouth at some point. And so we have to ask ourselves, if, if the output is things that are a tongue on fire, what is the input that we're allowing to shape and form what's coming out of our mouths? In the book of Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, we, we see Paul take this idea uh, to the, the church at Ephesus. And he says this, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Look, I think some of us could do a whole lot of good if we would just ask ourselves, is what I'm saying helping anybody right now? Is what's coming out of my mouth actually being a benefit to those who are listening? Along with other markers of growth and faith that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four, he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now, the word unwholesome is translated as worthless, useless, rotten, putrefied, those are the kind of uh, things that this word unwholesome would be referring to. And you know what? We could read through scripture and there are so many places where it talks about what we're saying and what's coming out of our mouths. I mean, the Bible talks about, you know, there should be no coarse jesting. You know, that's a really holy, fancy way of saying, you know, just telling dirty jokes and things like that. You know what I'm talking about? Those, those jokes where before you tell it, you gotta look over your shoulder and make sure your boss isn't standing there. You know, those things that we say that we hope nobody else hears. The, the Bible talks about boasting and you know, being loud and all these kind of things and, and all, these, all these places where what's coming out of our mouth is what's doing damage to our lives. And if that's the case, we don't want any rotten or putrid things coming out of our mouths, but if that's what's happening and we chase this idea back to what Jesus said, that, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. So if this is what's coming out, what is the source that is filling our lives to that point? We have to ask ourselves that. We have to take that question on. What are we putting in that's going to eventually fill us up to the place where that's what we sound like? I'll be honest, there are times I open my mouth up and I sound like Fox News. My wife is like, are you Tucker Carlson or what? Like, be quiet, stop talking like that, you know? We, we have to be careful what that source is because input creates output and eventually those things are gonna catch up with us and we're gonna begin to sound like whatever the source is that we are connected to. 
And maybe how we place a guard over our lips, like David prayed, is starting by placing a guard over the inputs of our life, our eyes, our ears, those things that the Bible says are a gateway to the soul. You know, David prayed in Psalms 101.3, he said, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. I wonder if he recognized even a long time ago that input has an effect on the output. That what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm allowing to saturate my life is what eventually is going to be the words that I'm speaking. And maybe that's how we start this process is we start by watching what we're watching and hearing and ingesting in our lives. And maybe that will help us to kind of reform what we're saying. And I know that the classic natural argument that we would get to at this point is that we are adults and we can watch what we want and do what we want because that's what being an adult means, right? Don't you remember your kids saying that to you? Like, I can't wait till I'm an adult that I can do whatever I want. But see, here's the truth is yes, we can do whatever we want. The Bible even says all things to me are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I can do whatever I want, but not all of it is actually gonna be good for my life. And for myself personally, my view on this, when it comes to the inputs that I allow into my life, my personal view on this is simply that I want my life to line up with the mission statement of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the enemy. The, the, the enemy's mission statement is to kill and steal and destroy. God's is to give life and life more abundantly. So what do I want coming out of my mouth? I have to decide what I'm going to allow into my life. And so we can argue all day long, well, I'm an adult and I can do what I want and say what I want. And that's true. But it actually leads to this next question that I want us to think about. So if input creates output, the second thing to think about is who actually has ownership of our mouth? Who, who is in charge of our mouth, of our tongue, of what we say? When David prayed that prayer and said, put a guard over my mouth, is it possible that he was recognizing that the ownership of his mouth was no longer his own? Because here's what's true is God is not going to violate David's free will. He isn't gonna see David about to get into a situation where he's gonna say something and he's just gonna magically show up and wrap him up in duct tape and put him over in the corner and make sure he doesn't do it. So there's probably this element here in what David is praying that is recognizing that God, I've given this over to you. So now I'm giving you the permission to do with what you will because it's your property because I don't belong to myself anymore. I belong to you. And so often I, I think we forget that as we choose to accept Jesus and to follow Jesus and to be identified with Jesus, that we are transferring ownership of our lives to Jesus. That's what it means to call him Lord. It is a transference of ownership. It's saying I no longer belong to myself. Jesus, I belong to you. I am yours from this day forward. And that's what David said. He said, put a guard over my mouth, Lord. He's recognizing the ownership of his life. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 bears this idea out. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. 
You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Now I recognize that the large context of this passage of scripture is talking about sexual immorality and things like that. But scripture is true for all these things. It says our bodies are not our own. They belong to him. We've been bought at a price. So if I have to use this body to create words, if I've got to use these lungs that belong to Jesus, and I've got to use this diaphragm and you know, vocal cords and lips and cheek and tongues and all these things that are going on here to make the words come out, and all of those things belong to Jesus, don't my words belong to Jesus too? Are you, yeah? Are you still with me? Okay, you're all just like, mm-hmm. Maybe you never thought about it like that. Do we recognize who has ownership of our lips? Do we recognize that it is not ours to use as we please? Who has ownership? See, if we've truly committed our hearts and lives to Jesus, it's all his. All of us is his. We are his ambassadors to this world. Are we talking like we own the place or like he does? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. David prayed uh, another prayer in Psalms. This is beautiful about the Psalms. It's like prayers that we get to see written out for us. And he prayed this. He said, let the words of my mouth, this is Psalms 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, he's recognizing the inside needs to match the outside. The input needs to match the output. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. So what's going in is coming out. But then he recognizes, once again, this aspect of Lord. He says, Lord, I belong to you. You are the one that's in charge. And maybe one of the ways that we could begin this process and this transition of having a tongue on fire that's burning everything down to having a tongue of fire that's speaking the words of life is by every day waking up and just simply saying, God, my mouth belongs to you today. God, do with it as you would. Let me only say things that are gonna glorify you. Which leads right into the last thought that I want us to think about. And it's this. Our words are an offering. Have you ever thought about it like that? Our words are actually an offering that we are giving to God. In the book of Isaiah, we get a glimpse into the moment when God calls the prophet Isaiah into his service. And being a prophet, that's a big deal because what was his job to go and use his mouth to proclaim the words of God. And so we see this moment in chapter six, Isaiah has this, this vision, this, this realization of God where it says, I saw God seated on his throne high and lifted up. And there's these things called seraphim, these giant angelic beings that are circling around God's throne and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah is in this moment and he's standing there and he's watching this unfold. And I love what Isaiah says because I think this just hits this point so clearly. Isaiah chapter six starting in verse five. He says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man who cheated on my taxes. No, that's not what it says. For I am a man who, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we're just gonna go on. I'm a man of unclean lips. That's what he recognized. And I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
So he gets in this moment where he comes face to face with God and he recognizes what has been coming out of my mouth has not been good. And this is a problem. And, you know, I, I've seen this multiple times over the years. I remember, again, I was a youth pastor and uh, preaching, the, you know, to, to, to our youth group and, and, you know, hey, if you need prayer, come up afterwards. And, and I wasn't even talking about what we were saying or anything like that. But up comes this, this big, burly football player, like big old guy, you know? And he's just got tears just streaming down his face. And he comes up to me and I was like, hey, buddy, what's going on, man? How can I pray for you? He says, I just can't stop cussing. That was his realization in that moment. Like, this is holding me back from experiencing God. And I gotta, I gotta change what I'm saying in that moment. And that's what Isaiah is recognizing. He's going, I am a man of unclean lips. What I have been saying has not been a pleasing offering to God. Verse six says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. So I want us to think about this, okay? Where did the seraphim get the coal from? The altar. The altar was a place where they would bring the sacrifice as an offering. And so here this angel takes this physical representation of the altar, of the place of offering, and he starts bringing it to Isaiah the prophet. Now, I like to put myself in the story I like, to, uh, I like to imagine what it would be like to be standing there, you know, and, and here I see, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out because I know what's coming out of my mouth is unpleasing to God. And here comes this giant angel with a hot coal in his hand and he's flying at me. What do you think is gonna happen next? This seems like a bad situation, doesn't it? Like, he's like, come here, come here, come here. And like, what, he's just gonna like sear my mouth shut and just be done with me now? You know, the angel's like, it'll only hurt for a second, then you're gonna pass out from the pain. You'll be just fine. When you wake up, you'll be a new man. I mean, think about this. And Isaiah's just standing there. He's like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? And it says, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. See, this beautiful representation of the altar and the sacrifice and the offering and God brings it all together in this moment and says, your guilt has been taken away. Your sin has been atoned for. And it's so beautiful because Isaiah is cleansed in this moment, but it's for a purpose. Because the next verse in verse eight says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And this man who just moments before was standing in the presence of God, feeling completely ruined and undone and unworthy. Now he gets a chance to respond. He says, here am I, send me. Here I am, Lord, you've cleansed me. You've made me, uh, you've made me new. You've changed what's going on in my life. And I love this because in verse nine, he said, go and tell this people. The very first thing God commissioned him to do was to use his mouth as an offering to tell others about who God was. The very first thing he calls Isaiah to do is commissions him to send him out and to use his mouth, use his voice, use his words as an offering that was going to draw people to God. You see, guys, this is the beauty of what God does in this moment. This is what's powerful is that when we begin this process of transforming, of going from a tongue that's on fire, just saying whatever we want to this tongue of fire that's declaring the wonderful works of God, God says you can use your mouth as an offering 
to change the world. You can use your mouth as, a, as an offering to God to allow him to impact others. That is the core of the gospel. That is the core of who God is, is that he has called us. Yeah, we can do great advertising and marketing and all that stuff, but the gospel always has been and always will be communicated from our mouths to other people. And every single one of us has the opportunity and the responsibility to let our mouths be the place where God can use as an offering to share the gospel with everyone else around us. So we have to make that commitment to transferring, to going from my tongue on fire, my tongue that says things that destroy and tear down, to a tongue of fire that is calling out the wonderful works of God in a way that people can hear them and understand them. So as we close this morning, I want to ask you guys to do me a favor. I want you guys to just stand up on your feet for just a moment. And here's what I want to ask you guys. I believe that, uh, that the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me to do this last night and again today. And so I want you guys just to close your eyes because this is, I think this is kind of a sensitive moment for some people. But I want to ask you, first, have you been wounded by words? Now, I, I think 99% of us raised our hands earlier, but I'm talking about like you cannot get past those words that have been spoken over your life. They just ring in your ears. It's like a, like a just stuck on repeat in your head every day. And you want to be free from those words that have been spoken over you. I believe with all my heart that Jesus wants to bring some freedom to your life this morning that he wants to use the words that he wants to speak over you to replace the words that others have spoken over you. So with your eyes closed right now, if that's you, if you'd say, you know what, Brian, that is me. I, I want freedom from the words that others have spoken over me. Would you just lift your hand up and acknowledge that this morning so we can pray for you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come, God, just with hearts that have been broken and wounded in so many ways, Father, by words that have been spoken over us, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, God, but we carry those wounds and those scars. And God, today I pray you would replace the words that have been spoken over these people that say that they are not good enough, to say that they are unwanted, to say that they are not smart enough, God, to say that they are just not enough, God. I pray you would replace those words, God, with your words, what is true about each of these individuals, that they are loved, God, that they are cherished by God the Most High, that the words that man speak have nothing compared to the words that you speak over them, and you say they are loved, and you say they are precious in your sight. So God, I pray they would hear those words this morning. They would feel them, God, deep in their heart and it would begin that process of rooting out the pain that other words have caused. And God, bring life and healing to them in Jesus' name. Now, this second question I want to ask you guys is maybe a little bit tougher because we've all been wounded by words, but we've also wounded with our words. So the same thing with your eyes closed, really just out of respect, because I know this is not the easiest thing for us to maybe admit, but if you're here this morning and you recognize that you have been using your words as a weapon 
to tear down and destroy rather than to build up. If what's coming out of your mouth is not the wonderful works of God, but it's, it, it's things that are bringing uh, you know, the, the, the work of the enemy to pass, then I believe God wants to set us free from that today. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, Brian, yeah, that's me. My words have been a weapon and I've used them over and over. What's coming out of my mouth is not glorifying God. I just want to ask you to do the same thing. Just slip your hand up right now and just acknowledge that today. Thank you, Jesus. It's okay to admit it. Father, you see us, God, this morning, Lord, with our hands raised, God, with our, our hearts crushed by the things that we know that we have said. God, I pray you would help each one of us, Lord, to acknowledge your lordship in our lives. God, that our mouths belong to you. God, that our words are an offering to you. And God, I pray that you would help us to restore the damage that we have caused with those words. Father, I pray that as we speak, God, that uh, those moments where we are tempted to slip back and say things that are not of you, God, I pray that you would remind us that our mouth does not belong to us. And God, that the words that come out need to be building others up and glorifying you. Lord, I pray that as we speak, people would hear the wonderful works of God coming out of our mouths. Lord, forgive us for those places where we've torn down and help us to rebuild. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.